JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. The presumed next head coach of the Colts, Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator of the Eagles. That, and I'm certain about Super Bowl 57. And joining us now, the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. A variety of things, including Fan Nation, SI Now, post-game show with ABC, the affiliated station in Philly, 97.3 ESPN. And he also has, and I love this, DM me with your tips. John McMullen joins us, who covers the Eagles on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. John, to open, if I were to put tips, DM me, I would open up every single day to, here's a tip for you, go do something else because you suck at this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get a few of those, but occasionally you get some good information. So you get a shot. Yeah. I got thick skin. You gotta, you no, gotta no, there's no doubt about it. That's, I, yeah, you got, you got to have a lot of fun with it. There's, there's no doubt about that. All right, I know it's not officially a day later yet, but how are you you feeling after last night sitting here talking to me? Uh, I'm fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean it was disappointing for the Eagles, obviously, and. I, I, I thought they were the better team, and they didn't finish it. So it's one of those things where, you know, you have this chance, and you always have that small window to sort of stamp your legacy. And, you know, I think it turns into a footnote in a little ways because Patrick Mahomes did a phenomenal job in the second half. Andy Reid, who I know very well and is a, obviously a first ballot Hall of Fame coach. I mean, anytime you have – that quarterback and that coach, it's going to be a difficult uh, ride. But the Eagles looked like they had control of the game at halftime. And, you know, maybe it was the extended halftime, Rihanna, the 12 songs, you have the extra time. But they were not the same team after uh, when they came out in the third quarter. Is there, um, I'm, I'm, you know, in Philly comes blame regardless of the stage here, and obviously on the biggest one. Is that blame going to the defensive side after that second half? Yeah, probably. I, I, I mean, people, Jonathan Gannon uh, was not popular for the large majority of time he's been in Philly. It's only been two years, but he's done a very good job statistically. That's the number defense in the NFL this year, but Philadelphia fans are, you know, brought up from the Buddy Ryan era, the Jim Johnson era. They like aggression. They like blitzing, and the Eagles now play like a lot of teams in this league. They play the big Fangio style of defense, which is more passive, so the city as a whole just doesn't like it, um, whether it's successful or not, but I can say the worst thing, the only worst thing, the Eagles obviously played very poorly defensively. They gave up four scoring drives, and and Kansas City only had four drives in the second half. You can't get much worse than that, but the only way to assure yourself that you're going to lose to Patrick Holmes is blitz him. Just look, look at his numbers with the blitz. I mean, that's you're just, you're just planning to lose the game if you do that. So John McMullen joins us. He covers from a, a variety of outlets the Philadelphia Eagles. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So, again, we're presuming here that Shane Steichen is on his way to town to officially sign his contract to become the next head coach here of the Indianapolis Colts. Assuming that is going to be the case, I'm curious what you would tell folks around here they're getting that may not know more than basically what they saw as far as offensive productivity in last night's Super Bowl. Um, it, one of the best young play callers in the NFL, uh, a really smart, really intuitive guy. He, he really 
Now, part of it is the Eagles and their talent level. They have tremendous offensive line. They have great receivers. Uh, <laughs> Ten of their 11 starters were either all pros, pro bowlers, or, or at least pro bowl alternates. So there's significant talent on that team, and that obviously helps. But Jalen Hurts, I mean, the, the leap he made from year two to year three in his career was just astronomical. And Shane Steichen's a big part of that. Uh, it's the first time Jalen's had the same play caller for – uh, since he was in high school with his father, so um, that helped. Uh, but he, he's he's really a, a smart, intuitive guy who takes advantage of what the opposing defense is going to do. So he's not one of those guys that's going to pound the square peg the whole time. If you're trying to take away AJ Brown, he's going to run the ball. If you're trying to stop the run, he's going to he's going to test you uh, down the field. So. Um, He's. I, I think people in Indianapolis are going to be very happy with him as a play caller. Now, you know, one of the issues, and I asked Shane this when he was getting interviews, you know, does he plan on calling plays? Because a head coaching job is a big job. And Nick Sirianni came into it the same way. He was going to call plays. And he found out early in his uh, tenure that this job's too big for that. And, and Shane wants to call plays. He likes to call plays. So, you have to keep an eye on that when it comes to game management and all the other things a head coach has to do. John McMullins is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I know this is always kind of a tough call, just covering them and all, but do you feel that he is ready for this first-time jump as a head coach in the NFL? Well, he's only 37, so, you know, but a lot of people, you know, when Nick came in here, he was only 40, um, and, and people questioned him because Shane was, uh, you know, one of his coordinators. Even younger, Jonathan Gannon was 39. Michael Clay, the special teams close coach, was the youngest coordinator in the NFL. They had the youngest position coach, on and on and on. And they've done a tremendous job. So there's ways to get sort of sounding boards with veteran coaches. You know, Shane's obviously very close with Nick. Uh, Mike McCoy, people like that who can give him advice along the way. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think he's ready uh, to be a head coach in this league. And um, this staff has been, you know, one of the best staffs in the NFL. Jonathan Gannon's probably going to get the Arizona job. That's what happens when you have success. People start to pick uh, apart your coaching staff, and that's kind of what's happening to the Eagles right now. So John McMullen on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline regarding Shane Steichen and his thoughts and covering the Eagles over the years and certainly the years here recently where uh, the, again, presumable next head coach of the Colts uh, will be as a first-time head coach here. He was the OC uh, this past season, obviously, with the Eagles, a Super Bowl year. I, you brought this up a little bit earlier. In, in closing with you, um, there is no doubt the personnel offensively is drastically different from the Eagles compared to what's yeah. going on here right now. Some have described Shane Steichen as being versatile, meaning he doesn't necessarily have to have that type of quarterback, you know, the RPO type of guy in, in, in Jalen Hurts. He can work with anything, you know, again, describing that versatility. Is that something that – you either have seen, you recognize, or believe, if you haven't, that he can do in a different coaching situation? Oh, yeah. I mean, Shane's more, probably even more comfortable. I mean, both Nick Sirianni and, and Shane Steichen love Philip Rivers, which you guys, uh, you guys are very uh, uh, aware of right. and what Philip and how smart he was and what type of player he was when he was in, in Indianapolis. Obviously, he's not running RPOs, so... Um, he's actually more comfortable with a quarterback like that. And, and I think the fact that he was able to be malleable and build an offense around Jalen Hurts, sort of the new school RPO dual threat quarterback, kind of tells you, yeah, he's willing to do whatever he needs to do to take advantage of, of what he has, particularly at the quarterback position. But um, that's, I think, one of his strengths uh, as a coach. And I, I will warn you, for, for people in Indianapolis, he's not going to give you anything on the podium. But behind the scenes, for the guys who cover the team, uh, they're going to love him. They're going to love him because he's very honest behind the scenes. So, what example, he's just going to be kind of very vanilla, I yeah, guess. Yeah, he's going to be very podium. generic, very yeah. vanilla, not one in the, on the podium. But 
and and I know you're gonna have, you mentioned Stephen Holder when I was on hold. Yeah. You know, Stephen's gonna love him. <laughs> I guarantee it. John McMullen right there again. SI Now, uh, Channel 6, the ABC affiliate in Philly, 97.3 ESPN. Fan Nation and more. Uh, John has covered the Eagles. And kind enough to join us after the uh, Super Bowl 57 situation of last night. At least you were there, and it's not a four-win, one-tie team you're covering right now. So. <laughs> no, well, you know, I, I was kind of getting – it was a grind. I, yeah. I was Kind of, kind of hoping it's over, so it finally is. A, a little bit of a rest. John, I appreciate the information from you more than you know, and uh, maybe we'll look down the road and see what's up again soon, especially if uh, some bits and pieces from Philly end up transitioning over to yeah. Indy with uh, Shane Steichen yeah, as well. Yeah, look for, uh, real quick, look for Kevin Petullo and Roy Isvan. Those are two guys that are potentials. Uh, to go to Indianapolis with him. So Kevin's the passing game coordinator. Yep. Roy's the assistant offensive line coach. And Petula was here and came from here with with, uh, Seriani, I believe, a couple years ago. Awesome. Yeah. All right, thanks. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Potline from ESPN.com. He was, uh, he is, Stephen Holder. I don't think, were you in Arizona for any of this? I was not this year. Um, done the last couple, but not this year. I, I would say, to add to your conversation there yeah. uh, about appearances i was so at where i was at uh, my friends uh we were taking bets on jay-z coming out yeah, he's kind of right. like involved in the whole uh, halftime show selection process and i know he's involved with the nfl that way and he's kind of been a mentor you know music mentor type of deal with uh rihanna so i was like ah maybe he'll come out but no it that's that's the first like true solo show we've seen in a long time yeah, and, and I guess yeah, yeah, I, that was a little bit surprising. I, I thought it was fine. Yeah. I mean, I was entertained by it. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I, I but. think maybe the, the weekend, the weekend a couple of years ago, might have been solo. I, I think now that I think about it, but that was that was just a weird show, though. That's where he, was that during COVID too? Did he like walk I through think, this this maze kind of deal too? Yeah, yeah. kind of the House of Mirrors type of deal going on. I don't know what that was. I, I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I was um, I was certainly entertained. We'll get back to that in a second. Yeah, uh, Shane Steichen, we're, I guess, anxiously yeah. awaiting some official word out there. Or, or do we know? Are they back here? Are they on the ground? Nobody has sent me uh, any locations of the uh, two private jets of the Colts right now. I'm a little <laughs> upset by that. I, I have seen some, some banter about it on social media, but I have no idea what's accurate and what isn't and who's on what plane and who isn't. Right. And so so we wait. Um, I I think – I hope, I believe we're going to hear something today. Um, I don't anticipate a press conference at this point, but I, I was kind of hoping for some official word, you know, pen to paper today. That was my hope. So we'll see. I mean, you know, we got more time, so we will see. Uh, look, it was probably a long night for everybody involved. Uh, the Ursay family was out in Arizona. Obviously, Steichen was out there. It didn't end well. Um, it's been a long week, long night, all that. So, you know, look, I'm not surprised, I guess, that it's not quite happened yet. But, um, yeah, no reason to think it won't, but we thought that before, right? Yeah, again, <laughs> presumably Shane Steichen is going to become the next head coach yeah. of the Colts at, at some point in the not-so-distant future. What do you think about, and I know they haven't made the hire yet, but let's just say hypothetically yeah. they have. What do you think about it? You know, I, I, I hadn't spent a lot of time thinking about Shane Steichen throughout this process, not because I didn't think much of him, but just because he wasn't somebody who was at the forefront of our minds, right? I mean, he's just recently come into our consciousness, really like the last couple of years, let's be honest. Unless, you, unless you've really been tracking you know, NFL position coaches, he's not someone you knew a lot about, most likely, right? So we don't have this, this wealth of of knowledge about him. But I will say, I, I actually think the hire is growing on me quite a bit. I don't think you can look at what the Eagles have done and really take issue with it. 
Uh, certainly, he's done a great job. I think the, the one thing that I've taken away that I think is, is, is something that can be applicable here is that he has had different kinds of success with his offense with different kinds of quarterbacks. And so you can take it to Phillip Rivers and having success with – well, some success with Phillip Rivers – uh, or at least working with Philip Rivers, right, in a much different kind of quarterback play uh, approach. Then same with Justin Herbert, you know, a little more classic style quarterback, drop back style quarterback, big arm. And then now has has transferred his offense and his, his approach to a quarterback like Jalen Hurts and had immense success, uh, heavy on the run game. Uh, the Chargers were, were, I think, top five in pass attempts with Shane Steichen his last year as offensive coordinator there. Now, the next year, he goes to Philly, and they are number two in the NFL in rushing attempts and have great success in that way. So that shows that's a guy who's very versatile and has the ability uh, to beat you in different ways and and build his offense to his team's strength. So I think they're going to get that here. And, and it's important with the young quarterback those are skills that I think that that's why I say it's applicable and, and transferable here. They're going to have a young quarterback, you know, who knows who it's going to be, but he's going to have perhaps a different kind of approach. Right. So, so I think that's, that's the, the thing that, that if you're a, a Colts fan, that's the thing to get excited about. Um, I would also say just his, I think his, his demeanor is probably going to be uh, quite different than, than Frank Reich's. Um, so if, if that wasn't what was ideal for the Colts and Frank Reich, uh, this guy is going to be different. And and coach, excuse me, teams go for a much different type of leader generally when they make a coaching change. So that's what I think you're getting here. It's uh, Stephen Holder of ESPN.com with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And again, to update everybody, Shane Steichen, again, is presumed at some point to be officially announced as the next head coach of the Indianapolis Colts with uh, some sort of press conference forthcoming, but nothing, again, official and or concrete. We'll continue to follow that particular story as Steichen, of course, was the offensive coordinator last night for the Eagles in Super Bowl 57 in which the Chiefs knocked off Philly. Back to Stephen Holder next. I So, again, presumably it's not going to be Jeff Saturday. I remember at the beginning of that hiring that I – I certainly had thought, I was under the impression that if it wasn't going to be a head coach, he would be a part of this organization in some form or fashion moving forward. I have since certainly moved off of that. Do you think that there, the opportunity to be involved in some way with this organization is going to be there, or will he get back to ESPN? I don't have a strong sense one way or the other. I just really don't. I, I think that Let's put it this way: his his relationship with with this, the organization and ownership in particular, I think, would leave the door open for some type of role. You know, if that's something he wants, you know, is he going to be, uh, you know, maybe not disappointed? Maybe that he didn't get this opportunity, and and maybe want to not do that. I don't know. I, I can't speak to it. But uh, I mean, look, Jeff does have other things going on in his life. And, you know, obviously he has media opportunities. Uh, he has uh, personal business ventures that he's involved with. So, you know, Jeff has options. You know, he doesn't have to go into to football on a full-time basis. So it depends on what it is, I suppose, and, and whether that meshes with what his future goals are. I think mean, that's the question, right? What's his future goal? What does he want to do in the long term? And that's something I'm not totally clear on. And, you know, he doesn't owe us an answer. Maybe he doesn't know that answer, you know? So we'll see. I I don't know what shape all this is going to take. Um, let's let some more dominoes fall first, I think. All right, over the weekend, I think it was a report out there that the, the ultimate decision was going to be that of, of Chris Ballard, and Jim Irsay was going to let him make that decision. Is that how you believe this whole thing is going down here? Is it just ultimately Chris's decision even over the owner? So that was my colleague, Dan Graziano, I believe, who put that out there. And I think there's a there are different – ways of saying the same thing. And, and so what I mean by that is 
I think the way I interpret this, the way I see it and view it, is that Chris Ballard made a strong recommendation and Jamersay went with the recommendation. And is that so when you you know, when you really splice it and dice it, is that Chris Ballard ultimately making the decision, or is that just Chris excuse me, uh, Jim Ursay rubber stamping it and saying, All right, I trust you. You know, I don't know. It just depends, I think, on on your preference and, and how you want to state it. But I but I do think the bottom line is the, the most important thing is that it is very clear, to me at least, that that this was a process driven by Chris Ballard all the way. There's no doubt about it. I think from from the way they approached it, which was very, very open-ended and very open-minded, more importantly, uh, to just a number of candidates casting a very, very wide net. He did the opposite of what he did, I believe, in, in 2018 and, and took the lessons that he learned with those failures with the Josh McDaniels process and applied them here. You know, the other thing that was that was something that the Colts really paid attention to here is, you know, one of the things that they have heard from particularly minority candidates, and clearly they did not hire a minority candidate, but one of the things the Colts have heard and, and just minority candidates in general have expressed uh, over the last few years is just a lack of, uh, or just a, a, an, an apparent or perceived lack of, of equal opportunity in the interview process. You know what I'm saying? Not in hiring, but just in the interview process. Because go to the Brian Flores lawsuit. And I'm not, I don't want to get sidetracked, but I'm just kind of giving people insight on why they went about it this way, right? One of the things Brian Flores alleged was that there were these sham interviews. They wanted to make sure, for example, that there was no, there was no um, uh, possibility of coming away with that conclusion here. It wasn't just about that, but it was also it was giving everybody involved an equal opportunity, be it Jeff Saturday or Shane Steichen, for that matter. So I think they did that. And and all of that was all of those processes and approaches that I just detailed. That was all stuff that that Chris Ballard felt very strongly about. So this was his process from beginning to end. That's the way it should have been. It's uh, Stephen Holder of ESPN.com. Uh, quick update, according to folks that are sending me tweets here, the Colts private jet is currently flying over the panhandle of Oklahoma. <laughs> okay. Hey, <laughs> sure. <laughs> so what I, what I said to people earlier was, I said, do we have the right jet? Because the man has multiple jets. <laughs> well, I thought he had two, and they and somebody had them. Yeah, and I, and somebody had one flying out there today to yeah, get them. But yeah. I, I had thought that there was already one out there because they'd all been out there for the better part of this week. Man, hell if I know. But <laughs> let me let me go ahead and sift through all this stuff and make sense of it all here. <laughs> I got two cars. Well, not two jets. Yeah, you'd imagine. <laughs> Can you just imagine that? So right. I mean, imagine, imagine uh, having to say, "Oh, which jet?" Yeah, which which one? <laughs> which uh, one? Stephen Holder's with us. We'll keep track of uh, the jet set live here, the private jet of the Colts as we move forward here. So again, presumably, it's going to be Gus Bradley. As the defensive coordinator, the reason why there was some blockage put on his possible movement here and obviously with the past relation and connection with that of, of Shane Steichen. Well, that's still a little bit of an open question because here's here's what we know. We know that that some specific uh, candidates were were interested in, in keeping Gus Bradley and I guess the, the rest of the defensive staff. What we didn't get was specifically which candidates were, were keen on, on keeping Bradley. Now, with Steichen, it would make sense because they overlapped quite a bit with the, the Chargers. So Steichen and Gus Bradley would have history together. So that's a pairing that would make sense. So I guess presumably is probably a fair word, but just not confirmed. You know what I mean? So, uh, but I, I got to think, I got to think with their, with, with their primary finalists, you know, the, the ones who were, who were really under serious consideration, they must've had very deep conversations about the defensive staff for them to block them 
um, and keep them on board, basically. So I, I guess, yes, I lean towards saying that's probably where this goes, but but we can't say for certain because we, we just never got to confirm which candidates uh, were were had that preference, I guess. So I'm assuming that everybody just started to, uh, to be told that they weren't going yeah. to be the choice over the course of the weekend? That's how this happened. It was a process of elimination. And so the word started to leak out that, you know, they were telling people, who were not chosen for the position, they were telling them that they were, you know, going elsewhere with the selection. And ultimately, those uh, those conversations get back to to the media, and that's how two and two was put together. You know, I I was asked by people yesterday, you know, do you think they went about this the right way? You know, particularly having it come out the morning of the game. My answer is yes, uh, because here's why. Shane Steichen probably already knew, right? So it's not like it's not like it was more or less of a distraction for him. You know, I, I think he probably at least had an inkling at minimum. It's not had been all outright told, right? So whether whether we know or not is not is not what defines whether it's a distraction for Steichen. Now, on the other hand, the other candidates, you don't want to give them the disrespect of finding out about it on Twitter, okay? And had this lingered into today the wheels were already set in motion. This guy's getting on a plane, coming to sign a contract. I mean, you know, it would, the word would get out pretty quickly and it might've gotten out before they had a chance to inform others of their decision. So I think that to avoid that disrespect and to, to give them the courtesy of finding out the right way, I think the Colts did what they had to do. So I have no problem with it. Uh, I think no one really ultimately got hurt by the way they handled it. And uh, it's to me, it was fine. So uh, Stephen Holder of ESPN.com is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Thinking a, a little bit further into this as well, we, we know what, what people around that building thought of one year with Phillip Rivers, even though they had thought he was going to come back for year number two and he decided against that to go ahead and retire. How much intel, how much input do you think they ended up getting from somebody that had closely worked with in the past, Shane Steichen? Well, I will tell you that from every indication, they were exceedingly thorough throughout this. It would be shocking to me if Chris Ballard or someone else in the building did not speak with Philip Rivers. I would be shocked. And just from, from what I have read from the past, uh, Philip Rivers' comments on, on Shane Steichen were, were very complimentary, and he seemed to really think highly of his, his football IQ and knowledge and and the way he thinks about the game. And I think that speaks a lot about him. I mean, we know that Phillip Rivers is is kind of in that Peyton Manning level of, you know, football thinkers, you know? And so if he if he sees Shane Steichen in that in that light, then that's a very good thing. And he's if he's in his sort of um, realm, if you will, of just you know football intellect and and that kind of thing, I think that's a very promising thing. Uh, look, he he has, uh, or I should say the Colts, uh, definitely did a lot of homework throughout this. There's no doubt about that. I mean, they, they, they were done with interviews a week ago and spent days on days, you know, just talking through a final decision. And I think they likely knew where they were going, but uh, they, they took their time to actually get there and, and make it official. So, I'm going to give them the, every benefit of the doubt here in terms of, of doing their homework. And, and I'm telling you, a lot, of, a lot of work was done behind the scenes even before uh, the interview started. I mean, they were working these guys in terms of homework and research long before the first interview took place, even virtually, right? So they did a tremendous amount of work, and I, I would tend to think that, that they feel pretty good about the process here. It doesn't guarantee success. I think the process was good. 37 years old, first-time head coach. And one of the reasons that Jeff Saturday was brought in by Jim Irsay was that Jim hoped that he was going to carry on, move forward as their next head coach. He has that firm belief in Jeff and that trust, certainly in Jeff. And, and part of that was to get intel 
within that locker room about what what had been going on, you know, as far as, you know, any soft, any slide, uh, the attention to detail. And I know you've heard this again, and I know I have heard this as well, that there were some things wrong with it in the estimation of Jeff, something that had been talked about, you know, occurred with being late to meetings and such while in Minneapolis on that Saturday afternoon in preparation for that game against the Vikings. Can can you trust that 37 first time head coach with this group is going to be okay or you think maybe we find out that ultimately they needed somebody that had experience over this first time, or is that a concern of yours at all? I don't know if concern is the right word. I think it's a fair question, right? I mean, we have nothing to go on. You know, that's, that's the thing with these, these first time head coaches. Uh, look, there's, there's flaws or there, I should say there are risks in either approach, right? You can go with the retread coach, and, and then they have to kind of live down their mistakes of the past, right? And then if you hire a first-time head coach, you have to, you know, convince yourself or, or hope that you're right, that they can, that they can find a way uh, to establish themselves and do, do things the right way. So, you know, it's not a, it's not a slam dunk either way. I, I think it's a fair question, and we'll see. I do think that he has a different demeanor than Frank Reich. Uh, he, he certainly is. I think he's more Sirianni than Frank Reich. Now, whether how much and, and to what extent that matters, that is, I think, up to the individual and in the eye of the beholder. I would say this. Those, those assertions are true, right? I mean, yeah. there, was, there was probably uh, differing levels of, of discipline uh, throughout Frank Reich's tenure. However, what I would say on the other side of that is, uh, the counter to that is, I don't think that's the reason – they weren't good this year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think there's five or six other reasons that are, that, that are responsible for their, their outcomes this year before that one. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it doesn't mean it doesn't matter. All I'm saying is, you know, it's, it's one of many, many, many things that matter. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, again, we're, we're kind of left to, to judge a little bit um, mm-hmm. <laughs> with this stuff because there's nothing concrete working. But that that was one yeah. reason why that Jim Irsay wanted Jeff it Saturday around. Owner. Yeah, that's true. It mattered to the owner. I mean, that's the, at the end of the day, if we, it, you know, whether we think how much we think it matters, maybe doesn't make a difference, right? The owner, it definitely made a difference to him. That that is true, and so. That's why it's worthy of having the conversation because, you know, the, the guy who ultimately made the decision to part ways with the coach, he thought it was a big deal. So, no, I get the question, and I think it's a, it's a fair conversation. Um, I, I do think that a, a team with, with the lack, in this, lack in the discipline area that's a really talented team and succeeding, <laughs> we're not having that conversation, right? I think when you're, when you're not doing well, you start looking for reasons why that's right. happening. And everything matters, right? Every, every variable and every, every you know, sort of pro and con matters. And it's totally fine to go there, I think. In closing with Stephen Holder of ESPN.com, so Shaquille Leonard was on Pat McAfee's show on Friday. Yeah. I played this audio on Friday, but he, he gave a, a pretty sound endorsement for Jeff Saturday. Do you think that similar thought was prevalent in that locker room regarding Jeff? I think guys like Jeff. You know, I don't, I don't know if they felt as strongly as, as Shaquille, uh, but, but guys liked Jeff. I don't think that was ever the problem. It wasn't that, that – no one liked him. I think people like him. He's a likable guy, right? And he, he's fiery. He's intense. Football players respond to that. That's, a, that's not a bad thing, right? Uh, I, I think that the issue, if you really boil it down in that locker room, where there was a split was whether, was whether or not he was uh, – whether he, not, he made them better as a team, you know? And I, I don't think that's an argument anybody can make. Now, could he have done that over the course of – of 17 games, you know, with a, with a full off season to prepare, perhaps we'll never know, but you know, it's a hard case to make right now. It just is, you know? So I, I don't know. I think, I don't, I don't think guys in the locker room from my conversations felt as strongly about that as Shaquille Leonard. Now he also, I think had a little bit of kinship with Jeff because he kind of helped him get some clarity with his injury situation. And I give Jeff credit for this. 
You know, it was Jeff Saturday who told him, look, I, I also had nerve issues. Shaquille Leonard should not have been out there. He should not have been playing this year, at least not at the point where he was playing. He should have waited. He should have at least waited longer. Right. But I think Frank Wright, Chris Ballard, you know, they were trying to manage the player and here's a guy who's just so intense. He's begging for the opportunity. You know what he means to your football team. So I think they probably cut some corners there, give him an opportunity to get out there. And somehow Jeff was able to get through to him to tell him, you should not be out here. I went through this. I know what you're going through. And to Shaq's credit, he, he took that to heart and, and took it and, and went on IR and got himself right. So hopefully it works out long term. But I, but I do think that is a, that's part of where Shaq's um, opinion of Jeff Saturday comes from and, and just sort of his, you know, his beloved, uh, the, the, the love that he's expressing for him as a coach, I think a lot of it is, is relevant to that particular aspect. And I'm not saying he doesn't believe the things he's saying. I'm just saying there's, there's actually a little more nuance to that situation. It's uh, Stephen Holder of ESPN.com with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. And again, nothing firm regarding Shane Steichen, which is a story we'll continue to follow as allegedly the Colts' private jet crosses into the state of Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I mean, listen, I mean, I feel like I feel like I'm back on one of those car rides as a kid, and you cross the state line, and you think you're getting somewhere. Yeah. Hey, being from Florida, we we cross the state line, and uh, knowing we're going to South Florida, I'm like, oh, we're we're back in Florida. All right, well, we got six hours to go, man. Exactly. <laughs> And I, sh- I should have said, I said in Kansas, over Kansas. Uh, that's right, more right, accurately right. over Kansas right there. Stephen yeah, Holder. My dad didn't have a private jet. So yeah, no, no doubt. <laughs> we shall see. Maybe something a little bit later on tonight. Maybe a press conference coming up tomorrow. And then it's going to be interesting oh, to see how many, um, how many Eagles coaches, if this is the case, end mm. up coming here too. So. So, so I have a thought on this real quick. Yeah, now. go ahead. You know, Frank Reich, when, you know, over the last couple of years, and particularly when Nick Sirianni went to Philadelphia, he was very generous with Nick Sirianni, okay? And he let him have a handful of his coaches where they could have handled that very differently. So it will be interesting to see how Nick Sirianni handles things this time. You know, if, in fact, Shane Steichen wants to bring some guys with him, you know? So I'm very interested to see how that goes. They have a very a very impressive coaching staff there in Philadelphia. And, and part of that has been part of that is because, you know, Frank Reich had guys like Jonathan Gannon, for example, go there and had great success. And he may end up being the Texas, excuse me, the uh, Cardinals head coach, for example. So anyway, uh, that's a little subplot too, that I'm watching, you know, how many, if any of those Eagles coaches come with him, uh, does Sirianni return the favor. So I don't know. We'll see. Steven, I appreciate it as always. We'll follow it and see if anything happens either tonight or coming up tomorrow. Thank you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Jake Query joins us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So who is the Rihanna equivalent of the 1980s? Is it Janet Jackson? Probably a pretty good comparison, yeah. Um, I mean, the difference being Janet Jackson was obviously, I don't think Rihanna's done like television stuff, right? Um, no, nah, Rihanna would not have been on different strokes as Charlene. I mean, Paula Abdul. Be, now, Rihanna's more talented. Yes. Than Paula Abdul, yes. Yeah. It had, yes. I, um, I, yeah. Janet yeah. Jackson's probably a pretty good call. Yeah, I was going to say that. I was going to say Pat Benatar, maybe. Right? Female equivalent of the eighties. Benatar underrated, by the way. Oh yeah, like Olivia Newton-John of the eighties, maybe. What's that? Well, Olivia Newton-John at one point. It wasn't a long window, but for about a three-year window from probably 78 to 81, I think Olivia Newton-John was arguably the biggest superstar on the planet. I guess Rihanna's. Yeah, right. that's, yeah. That, you kind of just described Rihanna right there, didn't you? Yeah, I know, but, but the difference being Olivia Newton-John was, I mean, she had the number one song and was the star of a decade-level number one movie at the same time. But Rihanna's up there for sure. Yeah, yeah. 
What were you going to What were you going to ask me? My favorite Benatar song? Did you ask me that? Yeah, yeah. Um, shadows of the night. We're running with the shadows of the night. See, that's that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. That's lame. So I will go with if you were going to take that off the board, I would go with Love Is a Battlefield. Oh yeah, that's a good one right there too. Great about video. Invincible, right? Oh yeah, that was from. Yeah, the legend of Billy Jean. The legend of Billy Jean, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Never saw the movie, but the song was good. <laughs> you didn't see it? Christian no. Slater's in that. I think he plays, I think his name in that was Binks. Beaks or Binks. Yeah, song. yeah. It was it was a career starter for Christian Slater. Christian, Yeah, Christian Slater in a career starter. The legend of Billy Jean. Fair enough. Maybe I'll check um, it out. Sometime. I'll, I'll, next time on the Blockbuster, I'll rent it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it will be in the 25-cent category, I'm sure, That's right that. there. When I go to Video World in Bloomington, I'll skip the used-to-be-nude-in-film and get to that and pay two fifty for it for an overnight rental <laughs> right there. Jake Query of The Morning Show is with us. I want to get to Shane Steichen and your thoughts on he being the next head coach of the Colts coming up in a minute. I, I said this. I didn't really find anything whatsoever wrong with the Super Bowl last night. I was entertained, and I enjoyed it all. I mean, from start to finish, really. That rarely has happened. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, it was obviously, I think we knew going into it, it was a pretty much a dead-even matchup, and it turned out that way because I think, you know, Philadelphia really felt in control for the first half. Kansas City took control in the second half, and you could kind of feel it really felt like it was slipping away from Philadelphia and that they were kind of on their heels, but then, you know, offensively, they were really good. They come back and tie the game up. And then you could see, though, with about three minutes left. And this is what I thought was interesting. Kevin and I talked about it this morning. It almost felt like Philadelphia because, you know, obviously Philadelphia then was going to let them score. And Kansas City had the presence of mind of going down at the one and running the clock down to kick the field goal. It almost felt like before Philadelphia or before Kansas City – realized that was in the cards, Philadelphia should have let them score anyway because you knew they were going to score. And with about three minutes left, all you had to do was look at the clock and the remaining timeouts and think, Philly's not getting the ball back. And, I mean, obviously they got it back for one yeah. play. But, you know, and in terms of the the, the holding, the defensive holding, I, I thought it was the right call. I mean, I realized it's really yeah, it was. to get away with it. It was the right call. call. Yes. But, I mean, when he says, you know, when the guy who is – the perpetrator admits that it was an obvious call, that it was an obvious call. And, I'll give and the, and the argument's over. Brother. It should be over then, but uh, yeah. not according to Mike Greenberg, so that's where we all we all line up behind that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute here. How can that be called? You screwed up a great ending. See, and that's what's funny. Everybody wants to bring up the NFL is scripted, and then you get all these knuckleheads believing that. Uh, there wouldn't be anything more scripted than not calling something because you want a great ending. Again, if you really scripted it, that's probably not the ending that you would want in your script. That would be left on the cutting room floor, right, last hey, night? Did he, let me ask you this. Yes. I am too dumb a guy to be able to figure out how to, like, manipulate screen grabs and Twitter and stuff like that. Did you see the guy that tweeted out, and by all accounts, I think it's real. The NFL, it might have been like NFL on Fox, at the beginning of the year, said, like, we're nine months from Super Bowl 57 or whatever number Super Bowl this was this year. Uh, who do you think is going to be in it? And this guy on, like, October 13th, so I guess it would have been four months, whatever, his reply said, it's going to be Philadelphia and Kansas City, and Kansas City's going to win on a last-second field goal after a controversial pass interference call. 38-35, and he had the score. Right. Now, could that be real? Or can people go in and, like, somehow doctor? But I went back and looked because I'm so lame, I found the original tweet that was asking the question and rolled through the replies, and it was there. That's unbelievable, isn't it? I, I realized yeah, it was. Yeah, that I, is. I realized it was defensive holding and not pass interference, but still, 
like how, how does somebody nail it that closely? Do you think that that's just somebody that maybe – do they walk among us here where some people maybe live a couple of months ahead of us, unbeknownst I mean, to us? Have, Seriously. getting into conspiracy theories here out the wazoo <laughs> still. Like, I, I'm telling you. Yeah. Th- this guy – Okay, this was on October 27th, 2022. The NFL itself said, give us your early Super Bowl prediction. And he replied, Eagles versus Chiefs. Chiefs win on a controversial roughing the passer that puts the Chiefs in field goal range to win 38-35 on a game-winning field goal. That's Elon Musk's burner account right there, isn't it? That's what it is. He sent it at October 27th. 2022 at 10:26 a.m. I mean, come on, man. Yeah, there's uh, who knows. I mean, it, it, listen. I guess you could Does guess. Does Roddy, Roddy Piper have to put on sunglasses <laughs> to find out if that guy's an alien? <laughs> well, I mean, we got UFOs. Hey, you're thinking That's about right. right now, we're going to go through another uh, renaissance of UFOs like he did in the 70s. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm I, down. I am down for that. Seriously. I think, but again, I go back to. Everybody's got a video camera in their pocket, and until the Chinese space balloon, nobody even had any even conversation of a UFO. And then U2 comes out with that commercial yesterday that looked like the Chinese space balloon, and I just thought, what in the hell is going on here? Yeah. I love it. It's like I love the episode of the Brady Bunch where Greg faked the UFO in the backyard, Uh, fooling Bobby and Peter. That was awesome. He needed the whistle and the flashlight, right? Then Marsha rats him out before you know it. The Navy sending over officials that are flirting with Alice. Hell yeah. Yeah, and here's what the, the greatness about that episode uh, sometimes get lost a little bit because he had, you know, how when you cut yourself shaving, you put that piece of toilet paper on it to yep. get the, he wore that. <laughs> he had that around his lip the entire episode. Who's done that? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Hey, by the way, That's Brian the- Evans, did you hear that last week? Brian Evans sent me a uh, cameo I, I video Barry from Barry Williams. Yeah. Hell yeah. Pretty sweet. When Pretty I was, sweet. When I was in high school on WJEL, your Panther Sports Connection, on Thursday nights on the Jake and Adam show with Adam Alexander, we did a se- an entire segment of Brady Bunch trivia. Fabulous. Oh, I, could, I would just, I would, I would rain. I would rain all over that. Woo. When Greg Brady had to deliver prints, he got a temporary job for Mike delivering architecture prints, and he had to deliver them because he was trying to save up for a car that he'd seen in a magazine. Yeah, he he lost the prints, but they were supposed to go to an office building at what intersection? Oh well, man, I don't know that. Twelfth and Sunset. That's a good one right there. Is well, that the one? Is that where he lost? Office. He lost those. Um, it went went down the uh, the drain too, right? The uh, yeah. Not to be confused. Okay, on what Kings Island ride <laughs> did Jan lose the prints for Mike? Oh, uh, that was the um, that was in a canoe, wasn't it? That is correct. Yeah, the the island of the canoe ride. That is yeah, correct. The yeah. canoe ride. Can you imagine how boring the canoe ride might be now compared to the Actually, you know, inside the canoe? They did away with the canoe ride, unfortunately. <laughs> but but if. And Marine McCormick were canoeing around. I would yeah. have gladly gone, hopped in one of those antique cars and chased them down. Jay Query joins us. John McMullen, bottom of the hour, SI, is going to explain a little bit more what we, I guess, don't know a great deal of regarding Shane Steichen, who presumably is going to become the next head coach of the Colts. On the surface, what do you think about that? Because I, I, I look at it this way I'm going to try to be as open minded as possible because there is just so little to know. And it really is kind of like me and my opinion on C. C.J. Stroud. I like C.J. Stroud. I want him to be the quarterback here by virtue of a Georgia game. With Shane Steichen, everybody probably latched onto that last night watching the way that Eagles team put up points. Maybe it's the body of work this season, but there's not a lot out there. Why Why would you be down with this particular hire over anything else? A couple of things here. Number one, his body of work is such that he has worked with numerous quarterbacks. You know, he, he had success with Phillip Rivers, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts. Those guys all have different styles. And clearly he was able to figure out a style that worked with the respective quarterback. 
So that right there gives them, I think, flexibility in terms of what quarterback they're going to end up with. And number two, he has a previous relationship with Gus Bradley, and when the reports came out that the Colts were going to block Gus Bradley from moving on because there were coaches that had interest in retaining him, that tells me that Gus Bradley probably – that, that Steichen would like for him to be here. So you have somebody that's a veteran in the building that, that probably gives you some stability. But I do just like, John, having a younger guy that is an offensive mind that is a little bit innovative. And that's not to say, you know, we don't know how much of Philadelphia's offensive success is directly him, how much of that Sirianni, you know, how much of that might be traced back to Doug Peterson, I mean, et cetera, et cetera. But all of that said, you know, I think that having a young guy that's aggressive certainly is of intrigue and is of excitement. Now, let's also be real here in the fact that, as I've always said, it's as much about the Jimmys and Joes as the Nexus and O's. And you got to have playmakers. And I know Jonathan Taylor's a dynamic open space guy, but you got to get him an open space. And you've got, he has to be looking at the Colts roster saying, okay, you know, I don't have. Smith Rivera and A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts on this roster. So they've got to find some space and some athletes to get out in space for them. But I think that you got to start somewhere, and it's a good starting point. So Jay Query, the morning show, Kevin and Query. That's weekday mornings here on The Fan from 7 until 10 a.m. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So when you saw the reports over the weekend that, indeed, Chris Ballard was going to make the final choice and not Jim Irsay, did that excite you, or did you think about that in a negative? I would say actually probably neutral on that, and that's not to avoid the question or the answer, but rather to simply say this, and that is that, you know, we don't know. Obviously, if it's Shane Steichen, that would indicate that it was Chris Ballard's call, but he may well have sold Jim Irsay, and then Jim Irsay makes that decision, but... I don't know if I'd say it's good or bad as much as if, in fact, let's just say that they come out and they say, hey, listen, this was absolutely Chris Ballard's call 100%. I think that's good because whether or not you trust Ballard to be the guy making all of those decisions, the reality is, as the team general manager, that's what he's hired to do. And I think that we saw last year what happens when Jim Jim Irsay gets a little too involved. And so to have a clear chain of command – where people are allowed to execute what it is that their job description says they're supposed to do is a positive. And so in that regard, I would say it would be good if that's the case. So do you think Jeff Saturday goes the Peyton Manning route and basically wax almost everything, not all, but a lot of things, Indianapolis, from the hand that he was dealt as a player when he was cut loose by this? Do you think Jeff Saturday has a similar reaction on feeling the way that he was dealt with, especially from a fan base sort of thing? I wouldn't blame him if that was the situation and that was his reaction. I think he was he's a guy with a lot of pride. I think that he I, – I, I truly believe that Jeff Saturday, in terms of his interim time here, was given a different parameter of expectation and request – than simply wins and losses. But where he erred is that he himself basically said it's going to come down to wins and losses. And that's obviously there weren't enough of the former and too many of the latter. But it wouldn't surprise me if Jim Irsay makes an overture for him. And you tell me, John, you know this stuff as well as anybody. Would it surprise you if Jim Irsay still tries to keep him in some sort of an advisory or front office role? It would now. I I, I take that back. I take that back. No, that's a nice question you ask. I'll answer with that wouldn't surprise me. It would surprise me if he would accept a role like that. Yes. I would agree with that. I agree with that. Now, I've had people say to me, is it possible that Jeff Saturday requested to Jim Mercer to be taken out of the running? And my answer to that would be no. I don't think that's the case. I think he really wanted the job. And I think that the more he went along, he really wanted the job. I would bet deep down inside, we may never find this out, but I would I would fare a bet that he thought he had it. And I wonder when he realized that he didn't. I mean, I, I, I talked about, and then McAfee kind of took off with the last week, a, a rumor that I had heard that 
you know, it had been like two weeks ago is when, maybe a week and a half ago, he found out that he was no longer in the running. I wonder when he, when actually it was, when he found out that, you know, something that he probably throughout thought he was going to get a chance to prove even further as the head coach. I wonder when that officially went away. I think probably pretty early because he was pretty aggressive in trying to lobby his case to people early on. And I don't know that you would do that unless you thought it was slipping from between your fingers. But the longer it went on, the more I would think that he realized his chances were becoming further and further away, right? Yeah. Uh, You know, especially with how they're just – it was getting more and more difficult to imagine – that they were going to go the length of time that they did with the number of people that they talked to and then circle right back to where they started. It's just, you could kind of see that that was coming. Now, stranger thing to happen though, man. I mean, hell, who knows tomorrow if all of a sudden I'm pulling up to get something to eat at one o'clock in the afternoon, <laughs> I get an alert to guess that is the name of the head coach. I mean, my God. I mean, John, you and I think about it, man. I've been calling an IndyCar race, but all of a sudden Andrew Luck retires. I've been yeah. sitting at a, I've been sitting at Torian's basketball game when Josh McDaniels pulls his name out of the running. I mean, covering this franchise, man, it's all over the place. You feel good about it because I mean, when, when you think Grigson, Reich, Wentz, and now Steichen, you think I mean because the the Eagles have have graced us all. Um, with uh, a high level of of greatness from their organization to this one here. What do you think about this one? This is going to be the the best we have seen in relation to former Eagles presence in the house here in Indy? You know, you got to wonder if Shane Steichen doesn't think to himself, wait a minute, I'm going to work for the general manager and the owner that handpicked Carson Wentz that was going to be the backup (laughs) to the guy that just took us to the Super Bowl. Wait a minute. i got to get this laugh out of my system really quick. Yeah, Put put all their eggs in that basket. We saw how that worked out. Uh, You know, yeah, I, you know, and there's obviously a level of fascination over the fact, you know, the offensive coordinator game bouncing back between the two franchises, just back and forth, Reich and Sirianni, and and now this. Um, And, hell, like you mentioned, Ryan Grigson came from there as well. I mean, but the NFL is an incestuous world, man. It's a it's a small world, and there are only 32 of them, right? And so you're going to have a lot of cross-pollination. But I do like it. I, I do, for whatever reason, you know, just reading about him. I don't know Shane Steichen, but in reading about him and just some of the things that I also saw just in Philadelphia that his, that his wife philanthropically does for kids and stuff, I'd I hope it works out. I hope it's a good hire. I hope it is. A, I mean, I hope that is the official hire. And, you know, curious to see what happens from there. I'm assuming, too, right now, if you want to compare the two, well, this is just eyeballing it, that, that Steichen probably is carrying more clout now than Sirianni did a couple of years ago when he got the gig in Philly, right? I think that's probably accurate, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, you would think also in this negotiation, I mean, especially now, Steichen's got all the leverage, man. I mean, coming off the McDaniels situation, I realized they didn't win the Super Bowl, but he's coming off the Super Bowl. The word is out that he's the guy. And if I'm a Shane Steichen or his agent, and you know, Kevin was pointing out this morning, I think his agent is the same as Chris Ballard's, but if I'm Shane Steichen, I'm saying, hey, look, it's already out there in the in the entire world that I'm your guy and I'm your pick. And how much egg did you have on your face in the McDaniel situation? You don't want to go through that again, right? So let's talk money. And I would milk that bad boy for all it's worth. Purdue fans, I got to go really quick, but I want to ask you this. Do Purdue fans have a reason to be a bit concerned? And on the other side, do IU fans, can, can you get too excited about the way that they played? And they've won games here recently in a variety of fashions, and that was a grinder. Certainly they survived in Ann Arbor on Saturday night. The two programs, your thoughts? Uh, every team goes through a period of the year where you hit a bump in the road. Indiana obviously corrected from theirs and has things going in the right direction. And Purdue kind of feels like they're in it right now. 
And if you're a Purdue fan, you simply hope that they also get it corrected and then they go on a nice run. I don't see any reason why they shouldn't be able to do that. But they're going to have to get more consistent and mature play out of their guards, which we knew was going to be a point this year where that was going to come into play. And those guys got to find a little more consistency again. And if they recapture it, you're right back to where you were with Purdue as being one of the best teams in college basketball. And by the way, Butler, a big win over Xavier on Friday night. That was a a good deal. Hey, by the way, here's something regarding Steichen. Steichen, uh, I guess, reportedly turned down an opportunity to join the Indiana State coaching staff back around 2014. He decided to stay with the Chargers or go to the Chargers instead. So I'm going to have to hold him accountable for that decision. Yeah, you should. You should question him heavily on that. Like, look, man. Come on, man. Why would you? possibly bypass a chance to live in Terre Haute as an assistant college football coach at the Division II level just to go and become an NFL coach eight years later. I'm already questioning your decision-making right here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, buddy. Tomorrow morning, 7 until 10 a.m., Kevin and Query here on The Fan. And Jay Query's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Thanks, brother. All right, John. We'll talk to you.